someone donated some sewing materials to the church, and this little table runner is as close as I could get to sackcloth. <laughs> so today I want you to imagine that um, I'm wearing sackcloth on my head, which would be made of camel's hair or some incredibly uncomfortable material. I like Jonah. I like Jonah a lot. Somehow, I feel like I can relate to this Jonah. Here is someone who has a relationship with God, is called to do something, and runs. He's a most reluctant prophet, especially when God's will goes against Jonah's will. I confess to all of you that sadly, I've done that myself. I get Jonah. I think I do. I want to meet Jonah. Years ago, someone I had played softball with in a recreational league had gotten themselves in trouble with the law and was arrested and tried and put in prison for life with no hope of parole or release. There came a time when I felt a really strong, strong impression on my heart that I was to go and be a pastoral presence for them. And the, the inclination to go from the Spirit was so strong, it was almost like I could hear God's voice. Now, of course, I didn't literally hear God's voice like talking to me as if you would, but it was strong enough an impression that it might as well have been an actual voice speaking next to me. That's how strong the impression to go and be a pastoral presence to my acquaintance in prison was. The call was to be a voice of repentance and then of love and God's grace and beautiful forgiveness and promises and all the gushy stuff that we love. But I didn't have a car. At that time, I didn't even have a driver's license. I wasn't sure what the protocol was for even getting to visit someone in prison and getting on the approved visitation list. And let's face it, I was scared. <laughs> I was full of excuses not to go. I prayed and I prayed hard. God, send someone else. Please send someone else. I understand why you're calling. I see the value in your calling, but I am scared and I have a whole list of excuses not to do what you're asking me to do. Three times, this call to visit the person I knew in prison came three times over about, I don't know, maybe a nine-month period. Like every three months, it would come stronger and stronger. So it started as a voice, and then it got louder, and then it got really loud. And each time I made excuses, please, God, send someone else. I really, really am scared, and I don't want to go do this. No driver's license, I'd need a driver. I'd need to figure out who to contact. I don't know where the prison is. I don't know their number. I don't, I'm full of excuses. Never mind 
that I knew in the Bible. There's a lot of verses that say, do not be afraid. A lot of them. And all those verses that say, God goes with you. And all that history where the smallest nation was up against the biggest, scariest enemy, but God was on their side. I knew all that. But my fear somehow overpowered all of my faith. Shortly after the third call on my heart, about nine months in, they took their life in prison. Part of me has carried that ever since, knowing that I had three opportunities over a nine-month period to go and do what God had called me to do. It would have been reasonably simple in hindsight, but at the time it felt overwhelming and tremendously scary, and I was full of excuses. Now, I could never bring them back and make right for that, of course, but I can't tell you how many times I pray and think about maybe part of my ministry call should actually be in prisons and trying to bring that story somehow full circle if it's God's will. I can't bring my friend back, but I could certainly minister to others who maybe have someone else who's afraid to go. So when Jonah hears from God and says, no, thank you, I'm not going, and runs as far away from God's call as possible, I get it. I get it, beloved. How about you? How about you? Has there ever been a time you knew God wanted you to do something and you refused or ran or fear, doubt took over? How about you? Today's passage is what's known as a judgment oracle of sorts. It has a typical formula that the Hebrew people would have been accustomed to so that when the prophet delivers this kind of message, they would know it opens with this, it goes here, it goes here, it finishes here. There's a pattern to it that they knew and would have expected. The formula starts out, hear the word of God. It's a call to action. Hear the word. Listen to these serious words of God that are being delivered to you. It lays out a description of their behavior. That's step two in the formula. It goes on to say, thus says the Lord. It's a reminder that this is not the human prophet's message at all, but is God's message that they've been given and God's word to be taken very seriously. And the passage would end this formula with what the consequences would be if they did not obey. Jonah skips all the formula and goes straight to four. He goes right to the very end of that formula, but still the message manages to get through. 40 days. You have 40 days, Jonah tells them. In our passage today, the whale story has already happened. This is God's second address to Jonah. I've had three, Jonah took two, but then he was in a whale. <laughs> this time Jonah goes, but almost, I, I mean, I can't speak for him, but I'm imagining in Jonah's position, reluctantly, begrudgingly, perhaps, 
I don't know, we'll have to ask him one day. Jonah, for whatever reason, is not a fan of Nineveh and wouldn't mind, actually, if Nineveh were destroyed for their transgressions. But God has other plans, plans for the forgiveness of Nineveh if they hear the message and turn it around. I put up a map in today's, I don't normally do this, but I thought it might be really cool for you to see down in the left kind of side, we've got Jerusalem, we've got where Israel and Judah are located, where the Holy Land and a lot of our Bible stories and the people are situated. And then up there in the right, in that purple zone, you can see Nineveh in the land of Assyria. That's where Jonah had to go. Today, in the modern day map, this is obviously a biblical map and it's part of the Assyrian Empire, but in our modern day, it'd be somewhere in the area of Iran or Iraq. So Nineveh is an exceedingly great city. It's a capital of the Assyrian nation. The actual word for overthrow that is used in this passage, because that's what's gonna happen at the end of the 40 days. God is threatening to overthrow this city and this nation. 40 days or they must turn it around, they will be overthrown. The Hebrew word that's actually used in this passage for overthrown is the same word used in Sodom and Gomorrah. The warning is ominous and decisive. Get the weight of that. But the response, of course, here in our story is the exact opposite of Sodom and Gomorrah. These people in Nineveh hear the message, hear the serious tone of it, and receive it, even though Jonah skipped to part four and said, 40 days, and you'll be overthrown. He skipped the rest of the familiar formula, but they got the message loud and clear. The king himself gets word, removes his royal robe, puts on sackcloth, sits in ashes and dirt, and issues a decree across the nation. Everyone is to participate in repentance. The king, the elite, the common townspeople, all the way down to the very animals, all must wear sackcloth and engage in a week-long fast. No food, no drink, seven days, 24-7. This is their way of really showing humility and repentance and that they've heard God's word. From the greatest to the least and even the animals, everyone's gonna take a posture of contrition. The king says, let's all call out to God, admit our faults, and make things right. Who knows? Maybe, just maybe, God will honor our repentance and our fasting and show us mercy. And indeed, it's exactly what God did. God did change God's mind. It happens. And God showed them mercy and decided not to destroy Nineveh. God was indeed pleased that they heeded the warning, 
fasted, wore sackcloth, and went to great lengths from the king down to the animals to make things right and correct the path they had been on. God changed God's mind. Reverend Meg Janista Kuhn Kendall offers this reflection on our text. Nineveh is a huge city. It's a three days walk, the text tells us. Jonah ventures in not quite one full day's journey and begins his missionary effort. After thinking he could run away from God, being tracked by a storm, gobbled by a whale, puked up on dry ground, and given a second chance, you'd think there'd be no shutting up Jonah, that he'd be bursting at the seams to tell people what had happened to him, and that grace had saved a wretch like him that grace is greater than all our sin, you'd think he'd be overflowing with testimony, how God is steadfast in mercy, abounding in love, just given the source of the material from his very own life. Jonah could have had lots to say, lots of reason for praise, gratitude, one heck of a testimony. Just imagine when he opens his mouth, here's what he says. 40 days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. Eight words. It's actually five in Hebrew. That's all. That's all he says. After receiving grace upon grace, chance upon chance, Jonah obeyed God, went to Nineveh, and did almost precisely as little as he could possibly get away with. It's almost like his efforts were half-hearted, and yet, and yet. With God, there is always an and yet. Jonah's efforts were half-hearted, and yet. Jonah's words produced an outsized effect on the city of Nineveh. With or without us, God will tell stories of grace. With or without us, God will bring redemption to those in need. With or without us, God will offer salvation to those who are lost. With or without us, God's going to do what God's going to do. Turn souls to repentance. Turn death to life. Turn feet to dancing. And turn spirits to song questions for you this week. I want you to ponder after service today. Have you ever seen God change God's mind? Have you ever experienced God changing God's mind in some circumstance in your life or the life of someone you know? If so, what were the circumstances around that? And what do you think that says about God's character? This week, may we listen for the voice of God. May we be obedient to the call with willing hearts against all odds. May it be so.